0: How do you want to retire? If it's with confidence, then you've come to the right place. Unlock your financial future with Ben and Caitlin Schrock, founders of BA Schrock Financial Group.
1: I'm Ben Schrock. And I'm Keith Lockwood. And today in the first part of our potential tax reform series, we're going to discuss the potential tax increases in capital gains and as a reminder, we're recording this on November 10th, 2021. We've been hearing a lot about this topic, whether it's from our clients, whether it's in the news, whatever you're kind of looking at, reading, you're hearing a bunch of, of potential changes that are going to happen. And we're really going to focus on this in a two-part series in terms of where uh, we're feeling that that things might happen and where they may fall into place. A lot of this will be speculation because it's as of today's news. And uh, joined with me, as always, Keith Lockwood talking about this. So, Keith, before we get into it, um, just as a general uh, topic here, what what currently today for the average client is is subject to capital gains um, in our current tax system today?
2: So you talk about brokerage accounts, and that's going to be you know your after-tax accounts that you invest money in um, marketable securities. You know that's your publicly traded stocks, uh, stuff like that. Something that has a stated price on a market where it's not a, a private like company. Um, sale of a business. Mm-hmm. So it's family owned businesses. Um people don't understand you can't just give it to your to your yeah. kid. <laughs> you actually have to IRS doesn't Get like it. that. So yeah. I mean you can if it's within estate tax rules, but um and then real estate sales. So anything involving the sale of real estate, um whether it's your own well. Your first home's not been anything after right. that, right? Yeah, so. I think the limits in the
1: five hundred thousand dollar range yeah. on the first house or something like that. As long as you lived in there the past two years, and and there's some other loopholes there. But um, and so like the the to us, you know, we, we call them brokerage accounts, like you mentioned, after tax savings account. Uh, most times we see clients they come in where they they might say, "Hey, yeah, my my dad worked for." Um, Ohio Edison or First Energy or, you know, whatever company they worked for, they bought stocks, they had them. That's like a marketable security, right? Someone that, that just bought stock from a, a company or owns ownership of a company,
2: right? Right. Okay. And, and you and you could have marketable securities within a brokerage account. Gotcha. So, and with that brokerage, I mean, that includes TOD accounts. Mm-hmm. It includes, you know, irrevocable trust accounts. So with any money you have in irrevocable trust, you know, that's taxed differently than your normal. Right. You know, as an individual or as a couple, um, or join, I should say, um, but that's still has those capital gains issues and problems with it. And and so to kind of keep it in our
1: lane, um, you know, talking in the the investment advisory world, we're going to really focus on um, taxes, capital gains and taxes, when it revolving around brokerage accounts. So the the marketable securities, the first two bullet items, marketable securities and and brokerage accounts um, and kind of how they work. So right now in in today's world, and again, I don't see this changing in terms of uh, the, the, how they tax us, right? The percentages might, but they're not just gonna change long, what long-term capital gains are, right? They're not gonna change what short-term capital gains are. The, the definition is should remain as is. So Keith, you know the main difference between long-term, and short-term, real quick, before we jump onto that.
2: So a long-term gain is if you've held that asset for at least a year, okay. so 365 days, um, and you sell it for a gain, that's your long-term gain. Um, short-term gain if you've held it less than 365 yeah. days um, so that's basically the definitions there now uh, there is that proposal where you know the, the top one percent pay mm-hmm. um, long-term gains even though they didn't sell it unrealized um, but, one right, that, right, so, yeah but that only affects you know one percent of the and actually, probably less than one percent of the country. So right, and, and I think that's probably
1: the biggest thing we hear from clients. Like, oh my gosh, I, I have a four hundred one, even my four hundred one k. Right, we're, we're not even talking that. We're talking brokerage accounts here. These are after tax vehicles. Yeah, right. So. People are what they're reading and what really is true is, is, is not always aligned. So, you know, you always jump to the worst case, you know, conclusion. You're thinking, oh my gosh, well, I have all this money. My 401k went from a hundred thousand from January to two hundred thousand in, in December. I didn't realize again, I didn't press the sell button, didn't take any money out, but now I have to pay taxes on a hundred thousand dollars. That's that can't work, right? <laughs> I mean, it's just one of those things where we kind of laugh about it, but that's stuff that's being out there and putting out there, and that's something we want to kind of dispel that that myth. I don't think that has any chance of of staying. Yeah, um, no. I mean, again, it's
2: going to be the top 1%. Right, right. I mean – Good, bad, or indifferent, that's who that that affects. So
1: So when we talk about cap gains, obviously, you know, long-term is going to be more favorable. You know, short-term is going to be at the ordinary income bracket. So so long-term capital gains, where are they today? Um, You know, just in like a, a typical married filing joint situation, what are the percentages? Where are they being proposed to change too because, again, I, I, short-term is ordinary income. There's not really more they can tax us on, right, if, if they change the, the, the brackets or, or anything like that. But short-term is going to pretty much remain consistent.
2: Long-term is what we really want to focus on, right, Keith? Yeah, short-term short just added to your regular income. income. Yeah. Um, so long-term cur- long today is um, a joint. If you're under, and I'm going to round up, 81000 joints. joint, you're not paying anything on dividends and long term capital gains. Okay. Yep. Um, between eighty one and five hundred and two thousand, you're paying fifteen percent. Anything over that five hundred and two thousand, you're paying twenty percent. Okay. So there, there's talk to increase that fifteen to twenty and that twenty to twenty five. Okay. Or it could be fifteen stays fifteen and that twenty goes so to 25. twenty five. So there's a bigger uh, spread gotcha. in between there um right because we're not supposed to anybody making under four hundred thousand. hundred it's supposed to have a tax increase so yep. um who knows where that may end up it may stay where it's at yeah um you know it's congress right so um so that's where it is currently and that's kind of where it's proposed so it is that proposal to increase those by five percent right um which in today's world it's a it's a favorable tax 15 sure. percent is a favorable tax if you look at tax brackets right um now you go up to 2025 then it's not so favorable anymore cuz yeah. now you're right around where the income rates are mm-hmm. income tax brackets are so so i mean essentially as it as it stands today even even with
1: the proposed you know i haven't read and correct me if i'm wrong but i haven't read that they're getting away the 0% you know i still think that's going to fall in, in line somewhere right just maybe they changed the the numbers i don't know have you read anything yeah, on the changes yeah i there? haven't
2: seen anything you know that's the Middle class, yeah, and, and lower um, most of the time. So, um, if you can finagle your way and, and down to that that number, no, I don't see that changing. Um, who knows? They may even increase the, the the income on that side of it. So, yeah, like,
1: level. like you said there, that the, that's a key point too. I want to focus on for like most of our retirees, right? So know, they don't understand or a lot of people don't understand how social security is taxed. And I'm not going to go into that. I've done many podcasts on that in the past. So if you want to, you know, click back and look at some of those, but all, all of our social security is not countable, is counted as income? So when we add all this stuff up together, you know, a lot of times we fall well under that $80,000 threshold. So like in our client situation, you know, we, they may be making, you know, literally in their pocket, you know, 80, 90,000, but on paper they're showing 50,000. And we're able to take advantage and almost treat these distributions from dividends or long-term cap gains as tax-free income, which is, I think, a huge advantage in
2: retirement. Yeah, correct. So Especially if it's built right, that's... Well, you know
1: what we can do so yeah and and I think that's a great transition so you know where where are you know we kind of know the the where we are today Keith where the proposes the proposed changes are again it's not the end of the world it is again it's an increase right don't get me wrong no one's happy with a tax increase if, if this goes through um, but it, it, what are the ways that, that people can not be, become victims of something like this? And, and what are strategies that we're putting in force here in our office You know, today, even in today's tax laws, and, and what we'll continue to do in the future in terms of how capital gains are kicked off to people in, within
2: their portfolios? So um, today's world, future world, right? Yeah. Anybody that knows me knows that 90-plus percent of the time you should never, ever play capital long-term capital gains even short-term capital gains i should say as well um you should pay no capital gains ever if you take advantage of tax loss harvesting mm-hmm. which we're big proponents of here in our office right um so how does that work right so i'm going to use a stock that you use at t right so at a year ago year and a half ago selling for 35 dollars yep right um Right now, I think it's at 26, 27, maybe 25, somewhere down there. It's down. It's down. Yeah, it's it's down. <laughs> so um, in an IRA account, right, or a 401, you know, a Roth IRA account, traditional, we will probably buy more to get our cost basis down, mm-hmm. right, take advantage of the dividends, so on and so forth. In a non-qualified or a brokerage account or an irrevocable trust account, what we're going to do is we're, we'll probably sell. Mm-hmm. Everybody's going, why would you sell? It's the down, exact right? opposite, right? right? <laughs> why, 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 what? what's going on? Well, we want to take those losses and lock them in. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we have $10,000 in losses, right? So we're going to lock in those $10,000 in losses. All we have to do is wait 31 days, right? And then we can buy back in to AT&T even if it goes up a little bit from, you know, I'm going to say the 26 number right. to 28, we're still better off than we were at the 35 when we originally bought in. And we may get lucky and it may go from 26 to 25. Sure, Right? So now we're buying in even lower from where we sold. But we have these capital losses to use for the rest of our life mm-hmm. against any capital gains. So then we then we wait, you know, let's say 18 months mm-hmm. and 18 T's up $10,000. Right. Well, we can sell it, and we're not paying any capital gains because we, we already have the loss. Yep. Even though we've made money on the, on the transaction. Um, and and there's, you know, there's other examples. BP back in April, March, yep. April. Any oil company back in March, April of 2020. I mean, we're pretty good at investment management here, but we're always going to have losses. Right. I mean, if we didn't, we wouldn't be sitting here on a podcast, <laughs> right? So, um, so it's how do we take advantage of those losses, and we can use those capital gains against or capital losses against any gains the rest of our life. Mm-hmm. And I think the the
1: key with that is you're, you're you're singling out individual equities, right? And and the 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 report we run and and our lingo we just run a cost basis report. It kind of gives us all the the gains, the losses, and, and long term, short term, and and so you know, the cool thing is too, is, is you just mentioned, like you, you take that loss. And if we feel like apples run up, you know, to, to their high point, and we want to exit there. Boom. We, we sell that $10,000 gain negates that uh, that loss negates that gain. And our client is, you know, Oh, zero in taxes. Right? right. So, and then again, buying that position back, like Keith mentioned, but most people don't do that on an individualized security basis, right? They they typically, when you know, your typical investor will just go out and buy a mutual fund. That's what we're all, you know, most common, uh, a vehicle probably out there is 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 just go buy a mutual fund, go save it, buy a mutual fund. Where does that become a problem? I guess maybe not so much while we're saving and working, and, and pumping money in. I guess it can be a little bit of an issue, but more so in retirement. Keith, where, where, where do mutual funds kind of? Um, drag or, or lag in this type of situation? Do they tax loss harvest in there? Do, are they able to practice this? What, what's going on there with with those?
2: Yeah. So most most mutual funds will not tax lost harvest um, and they're going to kick off what's called phantom income. So throughout the year, you're going to have the man, the money managers buying and selling stocks throughout the year, yep. not based on when you put money in, just based on the fund itself. Um, because they're trying to get paid. And mm-hmm. how do they get paid? They, they have to beat the market or they have to, they have to beat their peers. Yep. Um, so, you know, 90% of all holdings within the same fund in the same category are the same it's the, that last 10% where they're trying to beat everybody yeah. which makes sense if think about it I'm going, buy, I'm going to buy what everybody else has yeah. and I'm going to try to beat them on the final 10%
1: I've always heard it as uh, someone told me at one time that, that manager uh, worked for a mutual fund company as a fund manager they said it's literally 90% of like S&P 500 and the, the other 10% is window dressings you know it's just like yeah. they, they try to guess and, and everything else is pretty much the same except for that little bit that 10%
2: and that's why November and December are yeah. always good because people the money managers the most money or moving in and out, yeah. buying and selling. Um, so through that buying and selling, if they have a capital gain short term or if they've hold, held something for a long time and sold long term, that is passed through to everybody who holds that mutual fund, mm-hmm. right? So my example is if anybody was in 2008, um, I mean, since we haven't had any big losses, yeah. but um, you know, people, lo- people, people <laughs> lost money in their mutual fund but then still got a 1099 yeah. kicked out because they had gain, they had short-term gains and long-term gains. Mm-hmm. Like how can you how can I lose money and still have still well that's taxes. that phantom income. Yeah. And that, that phantom income is also then reinvested. Mm-hmm. So now your cost basis is changes. Yeah. So people that that's kind of a fee. Right. You know? So it's a fee you haven't really Look seen and doesn't show up as on your statement fee. So, yeah, tax loss harvesting is very hard to do with mutual funds um, because you don't know exactly what the well, gain rate is and what the dividend is. And so, yeah, on and so forth.
1: I think the best word for that is it's unpredictable, right? You have yeah. no, no control, right? It's at the fund manager's discretion. And especially in retirement when you're trying to predict income and trying to be as tax efficient as possible. If we can't account for what that fund's going to generate in phantom income, then we're kind of guessing and and we're not getting, you know, doing the best job for the client in that situation. So um, I, I think the consensus, though, is, you know, we expect in our office, whether it's next year or, you know, into the future, I think the writing's on the wall, right, Keith, that capital gains taxes are likely going to change. To what extent, we don't know. And again, they're likely going to go up. They're probably going to come back down. It's just going to depend on who's in office in, in Washington at the time. So again, we do expect something to change. We don't know what it will be, how severe it will be. We just know that we'll be prepared. Um, we, we're already practicing the, the art of tax loss harvesting here in our office. We'll continue to do that as a way to combat rising uh, uh, taxes on, on capital gains. So it's something that we'll continue to do here. But if if you look at everything from our perspective and in our planning through our unlocking pro, unlock process, you know this, this kind of boils down to two main topics. Is really, you know, learning your options, uh, which is about step three in our process. So it's more on a we, we kind of educate our our prospective clients in that situation. So learning what are the, the different you know tax loss harvesting strategies and, and different capital gains are and then also keeping on track that last step in our process so for our clients in that that practice that Keith is doing on the management side of things you know that's part of our keeping it going right you know keeping everything in motion and 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 moving things along so that our clients are getting the most tax efficient income as possible so and wrapping up Keith anything else you want to add on this topic other than uh you know we'll keep everyone in the loop as we see changes
2: Yeah yeah that's i mean it's one of those where the change shouldn't matter, right? Yeah. If your tax loss harvesting, change shouldn't matter. Right. So, uh, I mean, worst case scenario that you have to pay taxes, that means everything's up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> right? so, that's true. It's a good
1: problem to have. Yep. So, and uh, and if you have any questions regarding this topic specifically or, or you know, sp- uh, around the phantom income, mutual funds or anything like that, please feel free to reach out um, to us. You can call us here in the office at 330 330- 473 or you can go to our website, which is hyphen fgcom and you can schedule a 30-minute consultation right there on our website with one of our advisors. We'd be happy to, to talk to you about this topic. It's definitely a hot one. And, and if you read something out there too, and you want to just bounce a question off us, give us a call. Thanks, Keith. We'll be back for part two here shortly.
0: Investment advisory services offered through B.A. Schrock Wealth Management Inc., a registered investment advisor. BA Schrock Wealth Management is an independent financial services firm that helps people create retirement strategies using a variety of insurance and investment products. Investing involves risk, including the potential loss of principal. Any references to safety, security, or guaranteed lifetime income generally refer to fixed insurance products, never securities or investment products. Insurance and annuity product guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims paying ability of the issuing insurance company. BA Schrock Wealth Management is not permitted to offer and no statement made during the show shall constitute tax or legal advice. You should talk to a qualified professional before making any decisions about your personal situation. We are not affiliated with the US government or any government agency. This podcast is a paid placement This show is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be used as the sole basis for financial decisions, nor should it be construed as advice designed to meet the particular needs of an individual's situation.